We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Krzyzewski takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. I'm your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. And you can find us at the Contested on just about all socials, uh, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even TikTok. Um, when I do this intro for all my post games, I always promise more content on TikTok and YouTube. Um, but, you know, I was doing better there for a while. Then I had my firstborn, and uh, the content has not been flowing from those two avenues uh, outside of our, obviously, our live streams that are on YouTube. So we appreciate all of you tuning into YouTube, first and foremost. Be sure to subscribe and uh, be able to tune in anytime we go live, get notified anytime we go live. However, I promise uh, now that we're starting to settle back in uh, to not a normal, but like a new normal normal routine around the Peterson household, um, I will try and be more active on YouTube and TikTok and start to pump out some more content, especially as we get closer and closer to the off season, uh, we start drafting or start drafting. <laughs> I wish we were drafting. That'd be kind of fun. Um, as we start looking into draft prospects and doing a little more, uh, putting out a little more content uh, when it comes to those things. So I promise we'll be a little more active on those social medias. Um, the thunder, let's just get right to it. The thunder get a huge win. And just a, a a very competitive game against two of just the best teams in the league with huge playoff implications as a, no, just kidding, April Fool's. Uh, it is April 1st tonight. It, it it was not a good game, but it was great in terms of outcome for the Thunder. The Thunder end up winning the Battle of the Tank, uh, I think actually in my description for this live stream um, that StreamYard requires me to put in, I said that the Thunder uh, Lost the battle, but win the war because they end up losing to the, the Pistons 110 to 101. Um, but obviously that is a pretty huge <laughs> loss for the Thunder in terms of their lottery odds. They're not quite tied now for third best odds like I originally tweeted out just a spur of the moment at the end of the game. However, they are now tied with Detroit in the win column, which is really big. So essentially they are, I actually have it pulled it up here. Um, 
yeah, so they're uh, 0.5 games back from Detroit, or it depends on how you look at that. But essentially, um, yeah, Detroit is only up 0.5 games in terms of uh, third best lottery odds for OKC. So that, that was big. A lot to kind of dive into in that regard. Uh, not a whole lot to dive into in terms of the game. If you guys listen to a lot of my post games in the past, um, I like to tend to tend to like to tend to break games down into positives and negatives, um, or even just overall themes. I'll get into some of the things from tonight, but I think a lot tonight we're going to focus on. Uh, I got a lot of really good Twitter questions. Um, I have some draft thoughts. Obviously, the draft implications from tonight's game. So maybe not so much the play from tonight's game, although we will cover that a bit. Uh, but I say all of that. Uh, I Like I said, I, I tweeted out um, asking for questions, kind of like the old days before we went live for these post-game podcasts. So I, I see I, actually a pretty decent handful of you all tuning in live, which I greatly appreciate here on a Friday night um, after what was not the most fun game, but again, a desired outcome. So all of you t- tuning in live, be sure to uh, drop questions in the chat, and I will be be sure to address those at the same time as well. See my guy Joseph Dieterman already dropping some uh, some comments in here, so keep them coming, and uh, I will get those addressed. So, like I said, one ten to one hundred one loss, obviously a big loss for the Thunder, um, but <laughs> a big loss for the Thunder. A, uh, a good for their their draft uh, lottery implications. Um, that was an important L to have. Um, but just getting into kind of some pregame notes here, how that came about. The game wasn't really as close as it seems. Fourth quarter, the Thunder kind of made a comeback there. We'll dive into that some. Uh, but before the game, Trey Mann rolled out pretty early this go-around. Uh, if you guys have been following along, you know that uh, Trey Mann has been out the past couple of games with a hamstring strain uh, that the Thunder have have called it. But it's been pretty much almost like a game-time um, decision, you know, usually announced uh, around Dignall's media availability about two hours before the game, typically when he uh, goes live with the media. And tonight, or today, I should say, it, it was announced quite a bit earlier, uh, even before they don't address the media. And so Trey Mann did not play tonight, which, you know, again, you can take that how you want. Um, I think there is a real hamstring injury probably bugging him, but could he maybe play, you know, if this were a different season? Probably, but it's not worth risking at this point in the season. You know, we've talked a little bit about that over the past couple of weeks excuse me, on our post games and even um, our group podcasts, like even if the Thunder weren't quote unquote tanking uh, at this point of the season, but they just found themselves in this position because let's just say the West is so stacked and, you know, the Thunder's so young and here we are, we don't really have a shot at the playoffs. It doesn't make sense playing guys like Teo who are a little banged up right now um, and forcing that when you want them 100, 110% heading into uh, next season. So all that to say, Teo did not play tonight, um, was ruled out pretty early, and then closer to tip-off, uh, probably around the time that Dignall did go live, or did go um, into his availability with the media, although I don't remember exactly when this was announced, but um, it was announced that Poku was ruled out due to flu-like symptoms. And this has actually been going around the team, if you edited the last week or so, last week and a half. If you guys remember before Baisley um, got injured here, again, about a week and a half ago, uh, he was questionable with flu-like symptoms. And then uh, Olivier Saar also was out one game with flu-like symptoms. So, again, like the Detroit Pistons, I understand we really wanted to get this L, help lottery odds, but I promise you, especially the way that they've been using Poku recently, kind of using him as a facilitator in a new role that he's not really, new role that he's not really accustomed to, I don't think this was really a tank move. I, I would put a lot of money down that Poku's actually sick. Um, and so with Poku being out, 
that left the Thunder with only seven available players. Well, Poku and Man being out, that left the Thunder with only seven available players. In fact, um, I saw um, John Hamm, some other Thunder people, uh, Thunder media people tweeting out, uh, you know, talking about like how at first they were like, oh my gosh, the Thunder only have seven players. What are they going to do? Well, what they did, um, and they announced this very quickly after Poku was ruled out, um, they were able to call up Jalen Horde from the OKC Blue on a 10-day hardship contract to give them the necessary eight players to play the game so that game didn't have to get rescheduled. Uh, if you all remember, Jalen Horde obviously played with the Blue all season this season. I think he got called up for like one game with the Thunder this season in December. But last season especially, um, he was kind of like the, I'm trying to think, uh, not really Wiggins, that's not a good comparison, but maybe like the uh, Olivier Sar. Right, obviously they play different positions, um, but Horde was given, you know, that that two way contract towards the end of the season to to finish out the season with the Thunder, and we saw a lot of him <laughs> down the a similar stretch about this time last year uh, with the Thunder, and so he gets the call up again, somebody who's been in the OKC Thunder and Blue system for a long time, kind of an easy plug and play guy. You know, you don't have to teach him a whole lot; they know what they're doing. Um, and that's kind of exactly what happened. We'll, we'll dive into Horde a little bit, but he had a pretty solid showing overall, especially for kind of getting um, you know thrown into a, uh, a a role with the Thunder tonight, almost out of nowhere probably for him. Although I, I haven't seen any post game about him, um, but he actually ends up starting tonight, and we're going to get into that as well. But I mentioned Trey Mann. You know, like I do think it's a real injury. I think he could have played in the right circumstances, kind of on that point. Um, my little brother Hayden, you guys probably heard me talk about him on the podcast before. He's been on the podcast before for some of you longtime listeners. Um, him, my mom, my dad, uh, his girlfriend actually got to go to the game tonight. <laughs> Not the best game to go to necessarily, but it was kind of cool. Um, Hayden actually got to go down courtside, or I guess my family got to go down courtside before the game, get to watch the team warm up a little bit, got to kind of talk to some people. And um, Hayden took a, vi- or I guess it was a picture and then a little bit of video of Giddy. A warming up and then a picture of him and Shea kind of dapping up, which is really cool. But all of that to say, Giddy looks like he's moving well. I, I, I think he could fall in a similar um, category as Trey Mann to where like, yes, if this were three seasons from now, four seasons from now, and the Thunder are fighting for a playoff position versus a play-in position, for example, um, maybe you play Josh Giddy and Trey Mann in a close game uh, against a team in a slimmer position. But that's not the case this season. That's not the case right now. It does not make sense to play them. I only mention that because it's great to hear and to see physically that Giddy is moving well. Um, and hopefully, uh, assuming no setbacks, that that he's going to be 110% heading into uh, the offseason. You know, being able to improve on himself, his uh, physically, and then also his, his game in the offseason. Then heading into the, you know, we'll see if he plays uh, summer league. I might not, but especially heading into this, this next season. Um, so that was good to hear and kind of cool to see Hayden get to do that. But I mentioned the starters, the Thunderstart, uh, Teo, Jalen Ward, Aaron Wiggins, Vic, Vite Krejci, uh, and I put Maladone here again, but they started Roby. <laughs> and obviously Waters, Sar, and JRE are the three available players off the bench. Pretty cool French connection. Speaking of some of those players, uh, Sar mentioned pregame, he, you know, getting to play with Jalen Horde and Teo Maladone since they were about 14 or 15, which is really cool that they're all three, at least in the same organization, right? Especially with two of those players, uh, two of those other players, Horde and Teo, you know, even if um, Teo's been with the Thunder essentially the entire season on the roster, he still was called down. I hate saying called down. He was assigned to the blue um, for 
a, a, a large portion of this season just to get him more reps, which paid dividends, right? But it is cool that him, um, Horde, and Sar all got to play together again since they have been playing together back home for so long. And then it's not just that connection either, but as you guys might remember, Killian Hayes, who was drafted pretty high overall from Detroit Pistons here two, three seasons ago now. I, I can't remember which draft that was. Um, pretty recent. Uh, the point guard for the Detroit Pistons and his post-game availability, he mentioned playing with Teo, or he was asked about Teo and, and playing against him. And, you know, he mentioned it was a lot of fun. He loves playing against him because it's competitive, but they've been playing with each other uh, since they were really young back home in, in France as well. So that's a really cool kind of uh, French connection to mention. And then, so speaking of starters and the Pistons, look, like I mentioned guys, again, like um, Trey Mann, like Giddy. Obviously, we haven't gotten a, a full update on Kendrick Williams, but <laughs> just because the Thunder, you know, rolled them out, these players out with an injury, Detroit took a different approach, which I kind of want to mention here, uh, which is very similar to an approach that the Orlando Magic took here when the Thunder played them last week um, at, at a home game for OKC. They go ahead and start some of their better players. You know, obviously Jeremy Grant has been rolled out for the season, uh, but the Pistons start Sadiq Bay, um, Isaiah Livers, <laughs> again, kind of a guy thrown in there, um, but he's gotten some burn this season. Isaiah Stewart, Cade Cunningham being the big one, and like I mentioned, Killian Hayes. However, you look at their minutes. Killian Hayes got forty minutes. Isaiah Livers got forty-two. But the other three guys that you probably really recognize those names: Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Cade Cunningham. Kate Cunningham had seven minutes, Isaiah Stewart six, and Sadiq Bay six. Meanwhile, off the bench, some guy named Jay Pickett. I, I don't know who that is. Uh, 39 minutes. Frank Jackson, OKC legend Frank Jackson. Yes, uh, if you go to the Uncontested Twitter account, you will see me pulling up old tweets of myself from preseason when Frank Jackson was with OKC, and I was so upset that they cut him 32 minutes. <laughs> uh, Saban Lee, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I thought I remember that correctly. 34 minutes off the bench. And some guy named Braxton Key, don't know who that is. The only reason I recognize that name is because I heard it like, I think, I don't think he's a rookie. That, yeah, he is a rookie this season. So earlier this season, I heard that name and it was funny because a co-host of the podcast, Nick and I went to a uh, went to high school with a, another kid named Braxton Key. So <laughs> all of that to say, uh, a common theme I'm seeing with some of these tanking teams that aren't OKC, trying to be a little more sly maybe with the tanking, Instead of assigning a an injury to a player like, say, Kendrick Williams or maybe even a Trey Mann, I'll go ahead and go there. Um, they go ahead and start their players like Kate Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, but they only play on the first six minutes of the game and then they pull them and they don't play again, right? And we saw that with the Orlando Magic last week when they played their stars the first half and then pulled them at halftime and they, they didn't see the they it, some of them saw the floor in the third quarter, not very much. And then the entire bench played the rest of the way in the fourth quarter uh, for Orlando to, uh, to to pull out that L, a.k.a. that W. So all that to say, these other teams are doing it too, right? And it's just, I, I think it's easier. Uh, I, I was explaining this to a coworker. It's a little easier uh, earlier this week. It's a little easier to go after the Thunder. A, there's the whole Seattle thing, right? They have the Seattle target on their back for quote-unquote stealing the team from Seattle. Um, there's been national media who have it out for them uh, because of that. Always have, always will. Um, OKC found early success, right? There's people who don't like that. Um, and, you know, they're a small market team. We shouldn't have had that success early on. And here they are. And, you know, now they're down here. And then also, Presley's doing something so unconventional. We've talked about this as well on the podcast where he has all these different draft picks, right? Um, 
just this plethora of draft picks and he's getting all this praise from people within the NBA. And um, so then you have some in the, in the media who don't like that very much. You're like, well, what is he done with it? Right. And like, why is he getting all this praise? My team's not whole lot to go into that. Uh, we can go down that rabbit hole another time, another day. However, I bring all that up to say that what the Pistons are doing, what Orlando is doing is no different. They might just be doing it a little more sly uh, a little more, not secretive necessarily, uh, but it's not quite as loud, maybe, but still, <laughs> right? Um, and that's why this game was so important for OKC to be able to almost tie the Pistons in the third best lottery odds. Like I said, they're a half game back. So um, just really quick before we transition here, I'm seeing a lot more comments in the chat. Really appreciate you all. I'm going to get it, get uh, into all those here soon, so keep them coming. Um, but we're going to go ahead and transition here into some of the themes um, overall from tonight's game, specifically individual players, um, before we get into some bigger overall themes and kind of transition out of this game. So some highlights for OKC especially. We have, like I said, Jalen Horde, a.k.a. Jalen Board. Am I right? I tweeted that out. Ba-boom. Right, right. Uh, 11 points and 20 rebounds. 20 rebounds for Jalen Horde. Set a Thunder season record um, for the most rebounds of, of a Thunder player of the season. The, the previous one being Josh Giddy with 18. So that says a lot of things uh, about this team in general, right? <laughs> no true big, like we've talked a lot about. And, and we've talked about how important it will be moving forward. Obviously, we, we like to see floor spacers in terms of three-point shooters to surround guys like Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, and Shea Gilles-Alexander. But it's all, also important to have vertical spacing. And that means a lob threat. Um, and typically, those guys are also very good rebounders. So. This is almost by design this season, right? Uh, as well as kind of a poor three-point shooting team as a whole. But that is a one such a need that the Thunder can address in the draft or even in trade in these upcoming seasons as they start to transition back into contention again. And I think Jalen Horde coming in uh, again, just a, uh, we'll talk about Jalen, but just um, him coming in and getting 20 boards and that being a, a season record, I think says a lot. However, Jalen is a hustler. We saw this uh, a couple seasons ago. I, I feel like he got some burn in the bubble, if I remember correctly, with that CP3 Shea shooter team. Um, and then obviously, like I mentioned, he got a lot of burn about this time last season when he was called up on a two-way um, and, and got quite a bit of burn with OKC. Then we watched him in the blue. We watched him in summer league the past couple of seasons. The guy just goes out there and hustle. He, he can't really score the ball very well. Uh, for example, he was 5-9 and nine from the fortune night. It's good, but you know, one and three from the floor overall. I'm not even going to pull up his overall stats with the Thunder versus with the Blue because it's just not worth it. Um, but he's a guy who hustles really hard, does the right things on the defensive end, does the right things offensively. He's willing to, to go and get those boards. He's willing to dive on the floor, uh, try and get steals right. And I think that's why the Thunder uh, like him or, or, and are willing to uh, reward him. You know, again, just kind of a guy that you can plug and play in a situation like this, and he will do the things that he does. For example, 20 rebounds uh, at the essentially the small forward, power forward position, whatever you want to call it with this lineup that the Thunder started. You know, not a whole lot to say about Jalen. I don't think this means anything at all long term other than just to um, kind of show him recognition for what he was able to do tonight. And uh, the fact that he did sit, set a season high and uh, rebounds for this team with 20 rebounds because he's going out there and trying his hardest and um, had a solid showing all, overall. So Jalen deserves, deserves a little bit of recognition there. Um, guys like Aaron Wiggins, uh, Veet, you know, 
those were two guys I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more of. Or now, if they had a little bit bigger of a role with guys like Poku out, guys with Trey Man out, you know, we've seen Veet had a really good stretch here, especially from the three point line. Um, we talk a lot about his offensive spacing off ball, right? Some of the things that he's been doing. Um, unfortunately, tonight when he was kind of thrust into more of a ball handler handler role alongside Teo Maladone, uh, only seven points on two of eight shooting. So just not the best night from Beat. Um, and, and that's in 40 minutes as well. So, you know, I was hoping to see a little more from him, especially since we've seen some flashes over these past couple of weeks from Beat. Uh, but regardless, not a whole lot from him. Same for Aaron Wiggins. Obviously, uh, we're pretty high on Aaron as a fan base, uh, as a podcast here at the Uncontested. In terms of just him um, being drafted where he was, coming up on this two-way, then getting converted because of his two, two-way two play, <laughs> right? Um, and, and we saw him here, what was it, last week, where he had like a, a career-high 28 points or whatever um, alongside, I'm going to say, I can't remember who it was, who, oh, Roby. It, it was the game where it went to overtime against the Blazers. Um, but tonight, only seven points on three of 10 shooting. So not a huge night from Wiggins as well. However, um, there were two other guys that really stepped up on the offensive end of the floor that kept this one interesting, at least. One of those was Teo Maldon. And if you watched the first three quarters of the game and then you stopped, you would think I was absolutely crazy. Um, because quite honestly, I had to do a little bit of a double take when I looked at his stats after the game. Because he didn't do a whole lot until the second half. He got it going some in the third quarter, right? But in, it was the fourth quarter when, you know, I kind of hate to say this, but the Pistons were playing the same five players that they had played the entire second half. Everybody's kind of winding down. That's when Teo kind of took over from a scoring standpoint. Um, and ended up with 28 points, six rebounds, six of six, six assists, um, 10 of 22 from the floor, three of eight from three. Again, just kind of um, the opportunity presented itself for Teo. And so you saw those shot attempts go up. Therefore, those points go up. Uh, not a whole lot of defense on the other end of the floor. That's not to just completely discredit Teo and what he's done over the past couple of weeks either. Um, but again, Teo just seems like one of those players we've talked a lot about it on this podcast where you know, he he has had great moments with the Thunder when he's thrust into these kind of opportunities. But when he's with the team, with a full, healthy team, and when he's playing against you know other competitive, uh, fully healthy teams, he just doesn't quite rise to the occasion. He seems to be a player who kind of gets in his own head at times. Um, and even then, like his highest of highs aren't even all that high. Uh, he's just one of those safe players. Just realized... Uh, Okay, so when I plug my mic back in, it was muted. <laughs> Sorry about uh, all of that for, for those of you who were on the live stream. Um, I'll go in post uh, post live stream, and we'll be sure to uh, cut that out. Um, so yeah, I accidentally uh, like had my, my arm on the cord. It plugged the cord to my mic. <laughs> my sound stopped. I plugged my cord back in, started talking again, and, um, and it, it had me muted because my mic was unplugged. So I, I apologize about that. I was talking about Teo. Um, I believe what I was saying about Teo. Yes, he had a, a good opportunity, or sorry, had a, a great stat line tonight, 28 points, really kind of took over there in the fourth when the opportunity presented itself. But the thing with Teo, I was talking about some friends, uh, talking about this with some friends on Thunder Twitter, um, you know, who aren't part of the podcast. They were just asking me like, hey, do you think Teo is going to be an NBA player long-term? And I think what we've seen from Teo in this recent stretch is that he can be, right? But I think of a guy, for example, kind of like, you know, Frank Jackson, for the Pistons tonight, um, a guy I was really high on um, when he was playing with the Thunder in preseason here a couple of seasons ago. He gets cut. I was kind of upset, you know, not upset, upset, but it's like, man, I kind of wanted to see what he could do. Like I thought maybe he could crack the rotation. Um, 
he stuck around with the Pistons. He's gotten some burn over the past couple of seasons uh, here and there and, and spot minutes, and he's contributed at times. But when it comes down to it, um, he's not going to crack a you know nine-man rotation for a competitive team. And I think Teo could fall in a similar category. Maybe he does, right? Maybe he can crack that rotation, but I don't think you're ever going to see him be a like regular off the bench for a playoff contender. It's kind of where I'm at with Teo. I don't mean for that to sound harsh. Teo seems like a really great guy, <laughs> an extremely hard worker, like we continue to hear. I think that's why he's continued to be rewarded with these opportunities because he shows up day in, day out, and does the right things. And that's really hard to do, especially when you're not always in the regular rotation. But like we've seen him with a healthy Thunder team. Um, we've seen him struggle in that regard uh, against like healthy competitive teams that Thunder play against when everybody's fully healthy and and really plugged in. Um so because of all those things, I don't see Teo being a long-term rotation piece or a, a piece for this Thunder team. But it's worth mentioning Teo, A, because he was the highest scorer for tonight for the Thunder, and also because I think he's had a solid stretch. Um, so sorry again there for, for cutting out there. Um, but I think what I was getting into before I realized I was muted, there's one other Thunder player I wanted to mention on the stat sheet. Um, before I do, just quickly, uh, Olivier Saar, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, some four seven shooting, not a huge night from him, not a ton of opportunity. And JRE, uh, five points, two rebounds, two assists in only 10 minutes because, you know, first of all, before the game, I believe Dagnall mentioned that he was going to cap his minute restriction at 20 minutes, uh, just trying to get him back in the swing of things and, and watch that, that foot. However, that left foot, flared back up again tonight. Um, he was questionable to return per Thunder PR uh, due to soreness in that left left foot. And if you guys remember, that was the left foot that he had a procedure on earlier in the season that has kept him out for a while um, up until here last week, right? So um, that was a little concerning to hear that that was flaring up on him again until the post-game availability when Dagnall mentioned like, look, no big deal. He probably could have come back in. But I think the quote and the phrase that they don't use was playing with fire. Um, and that, you know, you, you don't really want to mess with that at this point of the season. Kind of like I mentioned with some of these other guys, like Trey Mann, Josh Giddy. Why throw them back in there at this point of the season? Um, get them 110% healthy so you can hit the ground running heading into this next season. Kind of a similar situation, it sounds like, for JRE. With that being said, I would not be surprised if we don't see JRE um, the rest of the season due to that flaring up a little bit on him when he's getting a little more playing time, um, which means, you know, one, do they activate Trey Man again? Um, two, do they activate Trey Man and or Kenrich Williams, who haven't really gotten an update on, but just don't play him? Kind of like I mentioned with teams like the Detroit Pistons and the Orlando Magic, you know, starting their starters, but only playing them five or six minutes. Um, or three, and I think most likely you see another 10 day exception and you see a guy like, uh, who's the kid Ramsey from, uh, I think it was Ramsey. I don't remember. There's a kid on the blue right now that they picked, not even a kid. He's a little older, a guy in the blue that they picked up, uh, the blue picked up here mid season, um, and a trade who used to play for Texas tech. And I, I, I want to say Ramsey, but I, I could be getting him confused regardless uh, he's played really well for the blue. He's been out recently, maybe due to some injury, but if he's healthy, that that is a candidate, for example, who could come up and play with the Thunder um, on a 10-day. So I think that would be an option there as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But all that to say, finally, the guy I really want to talk about here is uh, Lindy Waters III. Um, another game for him where he had 16 points, five rebounds, and four assists. Again, talk about a guy who's just kind of doing a little bit of everything when given the opportunity. But that shooting continues to really impress. Only four of ten from three, um, not super efficient. But again, he shot the ball from three ten times, which is awesome. Um, and six twelve from the floor overall. It's it's impressive to see him adapt when some of these you know defenses. Again, I have to put that kind of in quotations based off the teams that they've been playing, as some of the guys have been throwing out at him. But regardless, uh, to be able to adapt his game and recognize that teams are going to be trying to push him off the three point line and guard him differently because he's been so uh, he he's proven that he's a great three point shooter. Uh, and being able to adapt his game, be able to score around the rim is really impressive. Got a lot of questions about Lindy. So I'll kind of save maybe more of a deep dive analysis on him for those questions. Um, but I wanted to mention him here when it comes to the highlights of the game as well, because I thought Lindy had another solid game. Only 22 minutes from him tonight, uh, which is, that would be the second lowest on the team behind Jerry, who was hurt. That's not because Lindy wasn't playing well. I think that honestly is because of how high Dana views him. Uh, maybe a piece, maybe we'll get into that long-term, uh, not long-term, but at least into next season. Um, and also just because Lindy's got a ton of burn recently. So you can kind of give some of these other guys a little more burn, like a Jalen Horde, for example. Um, you know, I beat Krejci uh, a little more burn since, since Lindy's gotten so much and, and kind of let him rest. Now on the other side of the ball, I just the two guys, like I said, Killian Hayes at 26 points, 12-25 shooting. Uh, nice to, to see him have a, a good game even if it was against G League opponents. And like Frank Jackson, Frankie Smokes, 26 points, 7 to 16 from the floor. So all that to say, it's not even worth going into team stats. Not a ton to break down there, but there were some high points for the Thunder um, for this game. Now, I'm going to get into some Twitter questions and track questions, with, which consists of some of these players um, long-term with the Thunder, some, um, some draft questions, I think I mentioned that. Then I want to do some lotto sims, uh, and then maybe talk about some of the players that OKC could find themselves picking uh, in, in those situations. But before I do that, let's do a quick ad read and hear from um, some of our sponsors, which include ourselves here at The Uncontested. Then we'll jump back into things. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from The Uncontested Podcast. And I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store 
to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit CottonBureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design and the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to CottonBureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. All right, so we are back. And first, I want to dive into some Twitter questions because I got some really good ones tonight. And then I'm going to go through all of your guys' chat questions. We'll do a, a couple um, a, a couple rolls on Tankathon, as Sims on Tankathon, and then we'll get it off here. So, Nedley Kelly, friend of the podcast, been sending some really good stuff into us recently. We appreciate it. Nedley asks, The Thunder are, bottom, are at the bottom because they pulled levers. If they pulled zero levers this year, they played every player like it was a final series. So essentially they were just competitive, I think is what he's getting at, and we're trying to make a play-in or a playoff game. How many more wins did the Thunder get this year, and where do they sit on the ladder with zero levers pulled? He says, uh, I mean SGA going for 50 on Portland, uh, using that as an example. So the Thunder are currently 22 and 25. I think you assume that they play everybody um, that is healthy, I think, you know, Dort maybe plays through some of that shoulder um, injury, but gets the procedure in the offseason, right? But he's still banged up and probably not 110%. Giddy is battling the hip soreness. He's still playing, but it's 110%. You can probably assume the same from Trey, but we saw the level he was playing at. So we can probably assume that he would be close to 100% um, if he were playing. Uh, We saw him take those leaps. Now, one thing to uh, take into consideration there, Nelly, is like, if you have Trey Mann, for example, yes, he will show improvement, I would think, just because of the player he is. We'll see some flashes of this. But will we see what he was doing here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, on a regular basis like we were when he's not given the opportunity because you have guys like Kendrick Williams, for example, um, still playing? And I'm not sure you do. So you kind of have to take that away from some of this. You can't say, like, you know, Trey Mann's doing what he's doing, Kenrich is healthy, Lou Dort's healthy, et cetera, et cetera. You kind of have to take all those things into consideration. But even then, with all that being said, um, I think the Thunder are definitely flirting with 30 wins. Um, so that's another eight wins from what they have now. If we go ahead and pull up the standings for the Western Conference, which I probably should already have pulled up, um, that would put them around... Uh, actually, oh, that's the East. <laughs> um, 30 wins would put them right there with the Lakers at 11. Um, right there at 10 with 32 for the Spurs. I think you could probably, again, like there is, especially if, if Shea takes the leap that he did once he got healthy, post All-Star, like there's a lot of different things. You know, maybe that does result in another two or three wins. All that to say, 
long story short, long answer short, I think they're competing with teams like the Lakers and the Spurs, the Pelicans for that last playoff spot, or sorry, play in spot. Um, that's where I would have them this season. I think we could probably um, assume that if they do go, not all in, but they you know aren't pulling so many levers. I like the way you put that. If they aren't pulling so many levers this coming season, and they get a solid draft pick this season, um, they will probably find themselves in a similar similar situation to that of which I just described. That might seem low to some of you, um, but again, I think you have to take into consideration that they're still going to roster explore a bit. They're still going to try and develop young talent, um, and because of that. Uh, I don't see them being a full-on play-in or playoff team next season. I see them kind of flirting in that same range. Like I said, that we've you see the a team like the Spurs. Uh, I think that's a really good comparison for where we could potentially see OKC next season. And then Nedley asks uh, as well, Sar, Maladone, Horde all played for OKC. They all played together in high school in France. I mentioned that earlier in the pod. Um, have there been in American high school three kids on the same NBA court at the same time for the same team before. That is a really good question that I'm, I just, I'm just now like I'm going off the dome here, just reading this. So I haven't done the research. Um, I would like to, ass- not, I would assume not just because that would be um, really low odds for that to happen. But that's interesting. Something to look into. Um, if any of y'all do be sure to tag us at the underscore contested and, uh, and Nedley at Kelly K E L L Y underscore N-E-D-L-E-Y, because that's a, a really good question. Now, on to the next one. Our friend of the podcast, Ty Windish. Um, he is the co-host. If you guys have heard that name before, it's because he's been on this podcast when we've done a uh, did our season preview and then our uh, bubble preview here a couple seasons ago uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. He is part of the Blue Wire family, actually works for Blue Wire now, which is really, really awesome. Um, and Ty, Rohan, and they now have a uh, – well, they're the co-host um, – the Euro Step podcast, Giro Step, however you say it, G Y R O, really, really fun, punny uh, play on the the title there. But they actually have their own podcast network now. They brought in another Bucks podcast. All that to say, Ty has been uh, been reaching out to us a little bit recently about Lindy Waters. He is curious about Lindy. He's one of the ones I was referring to when I talked a little bit about Lindy earlier in the podcast. He says, "How do you really see him fitting in going forward?" Um, so here's the thing, like if we're just talking about him fitting in, like Ty, I think he fits in perfect, <laughs> right? He is exactly what this Thunder team needs and a floor spacing three and D type of player, right? Who can uh, knock down threes consistently from outside, causes the defense to, to, you know, to ca- causes defenders to gravitate towards him, which therefore opens up the lane for players like Giddy, SGA, Trey Mann, others, even some of our bigs, right? Um, However, can he hold up on the defensive side of the ball when he, like I mentioned, you're playing in a regular rotation. Like if you guys think like Roby's been playing well, right? But you think about, you know, pre all-star break, he couldn't even crack the rotation and a healthy Thunder team because I think a large part of that was due to the defense and how much Dignall values that. Now you watch him on the defensive end of the floor and you see him hustling, making the right plays, but he's going to have to uh going to have to put on some size in that regard uh, and some strength in that regard in the off season. Regardless, you know, I, I speaking of Lindy, I mentioned this. If you, if you all go back when they signed him to that two way here a month and a half, two months ago, I did not view, I, I viewed it more as one of those like reward contracts, kind of like we saw with Jalen Horde last season, right? Where they bring him up because he's a player who's been doing the right things within the system for the blue um, he gets a little burn with the thunder while they're going through this rebuild and they're sitting guys and the guys are injured. 
It's almost a reward. Um, and he's a, a local kid, right? Really cool story. I kind of thought that was all it was, especially because that first two weeks of his uh, time with OKC, he was only thrown in for like three seconds at a time at the end of a quarter um, is when Daniel would put him in. But that has not been the case. We've seen him really flourish with more time, especially shooting from outside. So I actually tweeted about that tonight. I think he he's really impressed me. He's proven me wrong, especially because like we knew he was a good three-point shooter. Uh, for example, he played for OSU, so I got to see him some because of that. Uh, I'm here I'm in OKC now. I'm from originally from Tulsa. Um, I'm a TU, University of Tulsa alumni. So I actually saw Lindy in person quite a few seasons playing against my Hurricanes in some non-conference games that they had scheduled. Never thought of him as a uh, NBA player, right? But he has proved me wrong here in the past month or so. Uh, he continues to impress. And like I mentioned, more so because he's doing stuff outside of shooting three-pointers. Uh, like I mentioned, he, he's able to drive to the rim some. And so all that to say, the Thunder signed him to a two-year two-way, right? Which is a, like a new legal thing that uh, the NBA uh, started allowing here, I think, last season. I, I think he kind of um, he sticks around with the team on that two-way next season. They fit him in as much as they can. We might not see him a lot at the beginning uh, uh, the first half of next season. But I think if he continues to put the work in, he will get some burn. They'll throw him in at times. If he continues to impress, he can kind of carve himself a role out here, which will be interesting to watch. Again, I was very wrong with this like a month ago. So a lot can change between now and then, especially with drafts and trades and everything else. All that to say, uh, I'm ex more excited about Lindy than I thought I would be. And that's maybe one of the... <laughs> the few high points outside of a lottery odds um, here at this point of the season. Now I'll try and go through the rest of these pretty quick. Jacob, our, our co-host, Jacob Niffin, Chet, Jabari, Paulo, which of these players career would be better if they end up in OKC versus anywhere else. That's a really, really good question. And uh, I actually, I mean, th this is tough because I think all three of those players, um, I think they're all going to be great players. They all have incredible potential, but with all three of them, I think fit is going to play a very important role if to help them reach their ultimate ceilings, which I think for all three of them is at least all-star, if not in some cases, superstar, right? In terms of Chet and Paulo, at least. Um, but I think the biggest one here, and the most obvious is Chet. Just based off that physical stature, um, he's really going to have to bulk up. He's going to have to find his role in the NBA. He's never going to be a huge guy, but he is going to be playing power. For, he's going to have to play power forward and center minutes, right? And be able to bang down low with some of those guys if he's going to be successful in the NBA. We've seen his competitiveness, um, his will to battle with some of those guys uh, as early as AAU ball, right? We've seen his elite shot, shot blocking uh, ability. Um, so if he can gain some strength and learn how to hold his own, as well as be able to kind of incorporate some post moves on the offensive end of the floor, I, I think that's going to be huge for him. Also, I think another example of a player who goes to an elite, you know, well-known historical college in Gonzaga, and his offensive role is limited. If you go back and watch a lot of Chet's tape, um, I say tape. <laughs> For us these days, it's really a lot of highlights. Um, going back to YouTube, if you have a Synergy account, maybe you can go back and watch some actual tape. Um, but you go back and look at his high school, middle school, he's handling the ball. He's going coast to coast. He's he's knocking down a transition off the dribble threes. I think he's going to be able to utilize a lot more of that in the NBA, but only if he gets drafted to the right team. And I think he's going to be able to showcase all those things with OKC to Jacob's question. So to answer that question, I'm going Chet on that one. Uh, but I think those other two, it's going to be important for them as well, long-term. 
Uh, Michael Glenn actually responded to that. Um, I like to engineer. <laughs> That's kind of cool. That was his uh, his handle. He says, Chet for sure. Nice time, and OKC can give him that. I think that's pretty spot on, Michael. Zombie Tom. That's a fun one. Uh, Zombie Tom replies to us and says, Waters, Sar, Maladon, Horde, Krejci. Will any of them be in the NBA in three years? And who has a 50-50 chance? Unlikely but possible and not a chance. Okay. So that's kind of, you followed up with another question there, but I think those can kind of be combined into one. Um, I've alluded to this, so I'll try and answer the earlier in the podcast. I'll try and answer this a little more quickly. Um, I would say of that list, and this might be disrespectful to Maladone and some of the things that he's been doing, but you can find guards like that who can contribute at that level. You can't find three and D players quite as much. That's why, you know, that wing position is so coveted in the in the NBA these days and the way and style that these teams are playing in. Because of that, I'm going Waters and Krejci based off what they have shown. I know Krejci is listed as a point guard. I know that he can play point guard. And it's probably for those, re- but he, he has the size of a wing, I think, especially if he can bulk up and, and get a little stronger. Because of that, I'm probably going Krejci as a uh, the most likely, which I guess in this case, to answer your second question, would be the 50-50 chance. Waters um, as the unlikely but possible, although I think he might be closer to the 50-50, and Krejci might be just like a bit above that, right? Um, but again, to your question, uh, maybe Krejci would be that next category. And then not a chancers, I would say Sar and Horde. Um, it would be the two there. And um, to use your unlikely but possible category, I would go ahead and throw Maladone in there. And then final one on Twitter, Rob. Uh, Rob asked, was Aaron Wiggins' primary ball handling man? So it's fun for you as it was for me. Uh, Rob, I loved it. You were tweeting along with us when it happened, when I tweeted out about it. But uh, I can't say it was all that fun. <laughs> but I do love OKC putting him in that position, allowing him to expand his game. I think that's going to help him uh, like we've seen flashes when, again, I, I keep mentioning and referring to this, but like he was one of those players getting some burn against fully healthy teams. When the fully healthy Thunder were playing together, he was getting burned, right? And we saw him, some of the things that stood out the most to us was how he was comfortable putting the ball on the floor and creating for himself in the mid-range as well as driving to the rim. Um, and I think what he was doing tonight, um, getting to handle the ball some, we aren't going to see that a lot for him. But that's going to help expand his game, therefore expand his role with the Thunder. I think it was a good thing. Now, let's go ahead and scroll through the chat here. You all had some good questions. I'll pick some good ones. Um, Joseph Dieterman, speaking of Lindy, he said, like the Lindy, definitely a third guy off the bench. Okay, third guy off the bench. That would uh, certainly be that eight-man, nine-man rotation and a playoff rotation. Um, I hope he can get there. I do. Xander said that he's missed about a week of NBA Thunder basketball. Where does this loss put us in the reverse standings? Well, Xander, uh, I mentioned this at the top of the podcast, but the Thunder are at 22 and 55. Um, Detroit is at 22 and 56. So that at, at three, Detroit is in terms of best lottery odds. So OKC is 0.5 games back from Detroit. Um, and then Houston and Orlando are tied for the best overall lottery odds at 20 and 58. Um, Detroit is two games back from them. We are 2.5 games back from Orlando and Houston. So basically, long story short, the rest of the season, we're going to be neck and neck. This next week or so, we're going to be neck and neck with Detroit for those third best odds. Uh, We can tie. If we tie, I'm pretty sure I have this correct. I've seen some people tweeting about this. Friend of the podcast, J.D. Brown, I'm pretty sure was tweeting about this earlier today. Um, Thunder and Detroit would keep their 
lottery odds in terms of uh, getting one of those top picks, but they would do a coin flip for the basically like the drop odds. <laughs> How far can a team drop? Um, so they might have the same odds if, if they both end tied at three best lottery odds um, for the best pick or, you know, for, for lottery chances. Um, but there'd be a coin flip to see which one of those teams could drop the furthest in those uh, lottery odds. So it's kind of confusing. I didn't explain that super well, um, but to answer your question, Xander, they are very, very close for the third odds, which honestly I didn't really think was going to be possible. Um, Amen helped me out there, said Killian was drafted 2020. So that was two years ago. For some reason, I was thinking it could have been three, but it was, yeah, two. Time flies. Um, Joseph Dieter actually said Wiggins and Saar were on the same high school team, which is really cool. I didn't realize that, um, that Wiggins and Saar also played high school together. So that's another another connection. Um, Elijah said Hor and Victor Horde and Victor Wimanyama have the same agent. Do you think Sam Presti is keeping Horde happy and hopes to one day? Yeah. Okay. So I tweeted this from the account here, however many um, weeks ago it was. Uh, it's not just Horde. It, there was another connection there as well to the Thunder. Um, look, Presti does like it, it. It's well documented. And then, and, you know, we we kind of knew this. We heard whispers about it. You know, relationships mean a lot to Presti, obviously. But then um, it was Ethan Strauss of formerly The Athletic. Now he has his own Substack. He actually did a full on like you know Substack about OKC and how they kind of utilize agents and relationships and. That is basically his whole point of that article was like, be sure to see, recognize some of those things, right? So like I was thinking, um, oh, I think it was Olivier Saar. I thought it was surprising that he was um, given that two-way opportunity over a player like DJ Wilson, uh, who had shown flashes in the past, who had played for the um, played for the uh, Raptors. And so uh, th that's kind of how I did some digging and found that they all share, share the same agent. However, a lot of people pointed out like they're Fran they're all France players. They all have the same French agent. So, you know, I, I think it does mean some things, but like even let's say it was on purpose. <laughs> that doesn't mean that Presley can just go out and sign Victor Wembanyama, right? Like he has to draft him and get lucky to move up and draft him or trade up and draft him. It just is a, I, I think it's just good. Um, to build those relationships as well. It's just kind of a, an additional plus, uh, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Considering that there's multiple players now who have that same agent, not just Horde, right? I mentioned Sar as well. Um, Lev mentioned Teo had 28. Yep. That was my reaction as well. Um, Eamon said, uh, Jamie Ramsey. Yes, that's who I was referring to Eamon, but I couldn't remember if that was the Texas tech player who was with the blue or if it was a different player, but yes, I was referring to Jamie I'm pretty sure it is Ramsey. He was playing with the blue right now. He's been playing pretty well. Uh, and then the last two here, Eamon following up how in your mind, do we lose to Portland on Tuesday? Well, Eamon, we throw out the same stinking lineup we did today. And that is going to be our best bet. And it's going to be much closer than this Detroit game was tonight. But man, um, <laughs> basically, I mean, we joke around and say, oh, the OKC Thunder, the OKC Blue played tonight. Um, but, you know, typically there's a Trey Mann in there who played some with the Blue, but like, you know, obviously he's a uh, full Thunder player or Shea played with players of the Blue tonight. But like tonight, it was literally a Blue lineup through and through. Um, that is how we beat, or sorry, we lose to Portland on uh, Tuesday, but it's <laughs> Portland's doing the same exact thing. And like we saw with, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, like we saw with um, goodness, Orlando, like we saw with Detroit tonight, like they're going to be 
sitting some of their better players. So it, it's going to be a grind. And um, let's see. Eamon says, on your question about lever pulling, did you include Muskie in your calculation? Uh, I didn't mention him, but yes, that's absolutely a lever. I just don't think it's, you know, it, that one was just a given and it was pulled very, very early. Okay, so you guys actually gave me a lot of questions on both platforms, more than I expected. So I really, really appreciate that because that helped fill time. And I think uh, provided so hopefully some good content. Hopefully I provide some good answers. Um, so I said I was going to do some sims and we talk some draft, draft prospects instead, since I've gone a little late here and then had those technical difficulties in between the live stream. I'm going to go ahead and just do three sims. We won't do prospects. We'll save that. We'll have a specific um, weekly podcast for that come off season heading into um, the NBA draft lottery. So let's just go ahead and do a couple spins here on Tankathon and we'll get out of here. First one, Indiana out one, Houston two, San Antonio three. Oh, Knicks at four, Orlando at five, Detroit at six and OKC at seven. That is brutal. Not a good first one. Second. Okay. Houston at one, Portland at two, Knicks at three, OKC at four. And then our final third, ugh, Atlanta, Washington, Orlando, Detroit, Houston, and OKC at six. Man, not a good one. I had uh, three. Actually, I ended up doing five, and like all five were really good this morning. Uh, not so good tonight, unfortunately. But there we have it. Again, a lot of fun prospects there, I think, to to break down. Um, and, and we'll be doing so here moving forward. So next up. I'm trying to pull up the Thunder schedule because there's not very many games. I was just thinking about that when I was mentioning that earlier in the podcast. Thunder play the Suns um, Sunday, April 3rd uh, at OKC. They play the, the Blazers, like Amen mentioned, on Tuesday. They play the Jazz April 6th. Uh, that's a back-to-back on Wednesday in Utah. That one will be tough. And then just a ridiculous game against the Lakers Friday, April 8th. And then a season finale yet again, two years straight against the Los Angeles Clippers, who pulled off a crazy win tonight against the shorthanded Bucks, who basically set all their stars. Um, but stinking Robert Covington went like 41 points, and uh, Amir Coffey went for like 30-plus. So just wild stuff happening in uh, Los Angeles, in reg- <laughs> well, in regards to both teams. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the upcoming schedule for the Thunder. Dan Contessa will have you all covered each step of the way. Thank you all for, all for tuning in tonight, especially after a game like tonight. Uh, you guys, the listeners, are what makes this so fun for us. We really appreciate it. So stay tuned. We'll have you all covered, not just for the rest of the season, but the offseason. A very fun, exciting offseason for OKC as well. And until next time, Thunder up. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.